Hello, welcome to Supernatural Stories, the show where you'll hear real stories of the supernatural from real people all across Canada. I'm your host, Cal Goodbaum, broadcasting from Rocking Chair Studio in Toronto. Hope you enjoy the show. What if you have a hunch, but you don't do anything about it? The show starts today with this story of warning from Sarah. I was speaking to her over the phone from Ottawa about her experiences seeing spirit, and she mentioned one of those times she suddenly got a chill. Things took a left turn. She told me about a feeling she wished she'd heeded. Last night, I was with some friends who experienced activity in their home. They were telling me about a collage of pictures that they had done of family, great-great-grandparents and stuff like that. As we're sitting there, the room got like somebody opened a freezer door just for a moment. And I looked at my friend and I said, did you feel that? And she went, that wasn't just me. I'm like, nope. Like a cool ice breeze just like went right through the room. I've never had this experience of feeling spirits, but I've had many, many times, I'll get a chill and goosebumps and an icky feeling, and I'll know that something bad is going to happen that night, and then it does happen, and then I know why I had that feeling. And it never, ever happens randomly. I never get that feeling without something bad, usually because I'm a musician, usually it's something like the power will go out at the place I'm playing or there will be an accident on the road and I'm I'm delayed for, you know, all sorts of things can happen, but I'll always get this feeling it's going to happen first. Now, I, in Christmas of 2012, I had a Jeep, Jeep Wrangler, and I was traveling from Ottawa to Toronto to pick up my grandmother. My mom asked me to take her car and I said, you know what? I'm not comfortable driving your car. I'm just going to take my Jeep. It says $20 for gas extra. It's not a big deal. Don't even worry about it. She just insisted I take her vehicle. And I said, you know what? I'm really not comfortable taking it. Let me drive my own. And she would not let it go. So I finally, okay, I'll take your car. Okay. Left in the morning. I got to Kingston. Didn't stop. All of a sudden, the car jerks left. I turned the wheel to the right. I went too sharp, and when I put the wheel back to the left, I went up on two wheels into the middle of the grassy part in between the two highways. And as the car was headed to the eastbound lane of the 401, the bottom of the car caught on a culvert and went back into the ditch. Three people stopped and got me a car. I got hurt. The car was 10 years old, so you can imagine the, like, cigarette smoke and the dust from, like, the whole car just filled with white. I don't know how they pulled me out, but they did, and it was awesome. But I just had a feeling. I just was like, you know what? No, I want to take my own vehicle. And it turns out I hit a divot in the road caused by the trucks that travel so much. 
and suffer from pain from that accident now, but the cop wanted to charge me and the two guys that stopped who saw it all happen, they're like, there was nothing she could do. This guy, he's like an angel. He plucked me out of this car and I'm not religious in any way, but this guy, I, he just plucked me out of this car like I was a feather. It was fantastic. I knew, I knew I shouldn't have taken the car and I didn't stand my ground and it was awful actually. So my total of my mom's car was gone. These hunches and abilities collectively described as extrasensory perception are grounded in a reality that we've evolved to be able to utilize them. You can imagine how useful it would be back in the days of large predators to know if anything was coming. We won't be able to get to the bottom of why and how in this episode. We'll just be hearing stories that came from real Canadians who have experienced or experimented with some aspect of extrasensory perception. This next storyteller, Carol from Halifax, has a ton of amazing stories to share. In the second half of the show, she'll tell about how she's acted as a medium for spirits, including those seeking justice. First, how about a positive story, though? Carol got a feeling something wrong was going to happen, what's known as a presentiment. I can tell when there's something wrong, there's something that needs to be done. And usually I'm right, you know, we're in the right place at the right time magically. I did medical first response for 12 years, and I always seemed to be in the quote-unquote right place at the right time to help people off-duty. About seven years ago, there was a shooting incident around New Year's Eve. You know, I was up playing pool at the bar there, and, and I wanted to catch the bus. And I wanted to not catch the last bus, but I wanted to catch the bus before that. But for some reason, I said, I feel like I'm just going to stay and play another round of pool. And then I, I missed my bus, naturally, and so I picked up on the last bus. And as I was approaching the area, something feels kind of weird. Something's off. There's something wrong here. And then I heard the gunshots. And I was like, what was that? I pulled up into the bus terminal, and there was somebody down on the ground, and he was bleeding and it didn't occur to me at the time that you know it was a shooting i was like that boy needs help he was a teenager and uh, i said that boy needs help and i got off the bus i missed the last bus and i saved his life because i happened to for whatever reasons feel like i didn't need to catch that second last bus i don't know if you want to call it synchronicity but everything just lined up that i happened to be there that boy is now 23 years old and he talks to me on Facebook. He's getting married. It was a pretty messy kind of thing. You know, I know I, I saved a life because I was in the right place at the right time or the wrong place at the right time or whatever you want to say. <laughs> Either way, that kid's alive. That night, I'm trained to do certain things when I'm treating somebody. For his injuries, normally I would have laid him down on the ground flat on his back. You know, that would have been how I would have treated him on his back. Something happened and I didn't do that. I said, oh, well, you know, I'm going to leave him sitting up. I think that's probably better for him. And when the trial happened for this whole thing, the grandfather came up to me and he said, if you had laid him down, that bullet was less than a centimeter away from his heart. It would have moved and it would have gone into his heart and he would have died. 
I was actually really floored. It's like I went against my training and it saved his life. You know, I went by instinct and it saved his life. Sarah and Carol both got in touch with me after they saw sponsored posts I made on Facebook looking for unusual experiences. If you have a true story that you'd like to tell on the show about anything unexplained and supernatural, please visit supernaturalstories.ca. The page redirects to a Facebook page where you can send a message. Or if you want to share the show with your friends, you can send them that link or give them the link to the show, which is now on almost all the podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Overcast, Player.fm, Podcast.com, and probably more than I'm forgetting. If you like hearing these amazing stories, consider contributing a dollar more to our Patreon account at patreon.com slash supernatural stories. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. That's to help with costs from sponsoring posts and printing posters that are key to getting new stories. Thanks again for listening. I'm your host, Cal Goodbaum. In the second half, we'll be hearing more stories from Carol, using her second sight to act as a medium for spirit. Richard saw one of the posters that I put up on Queen Street in downtown Toronto, and he got in touch with me. It was an attempt to try and both explore his own psychicness and to bring greater awareness to these phenomena, which motivated him to create a series of live performances that I'll let him describe next. I live in Toronto, but I'm from New Brunswick. I grew up there and I went to university there. People tend to be more interested in and actually very supportive of the idea of the supernatural. I grew up in a very small place in a fishing village, part of my childhood, and people talked about ghosts and things that they saw quite openly. You know, it wasn't a taboo subject. And they talked about it, not all the time, but they talked about it with the same ease that people talk about sports. You know, I have a cousin who's a medium. I mean, she's not a professional. She doesn't get paid or anything, but she sees things. And people come to her with their problems. So it was very much part of my childhood. And I've always felt like I had some kind of ability, let's say. Spooky kid, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You know, sort of anticipated things and saw things as a kid. Now that, you know, I'm an adult and I'm, I'm you know, I'm a writer. I'm a, also a multimedia artist. I concocted a series of experiments, two of which I've done, and the third one is coming up sometime in the next year. They're also very much performances, but I wasn't faking anything throughout them. Absolutely not. There was no acting on my part. The first one was done here in Toronto at a now-defunct gallery called Videofag. It was called Super Diviner, and it was a randomized tarot reading. The way it was set up is the, the person would come in the room, before they came into the gallery space, they were met with a helper who gave them the instructions. Among them was, you cannot speak. Don't ask any questions. Don't in any way signify who you are to Richard. They would enter the space. They would sit facing away from me, and I would sit in the opposite direction with a blinder between us, so I really could not see them. There was a large bowl in front of them with about 30 different types of tarot decks, and they were asked to just dig in and pick the first three they grabbed put those on a kind of plate that they would then shove under the blinder to me from those cards i would speak out loud a kind of reading from the cards. then they would leave and then they were given a questionnaire how much did this mean to you how accurate was it on a scale of 
everything from nothing, this guy's a fraud, to wow, this guy got it perfectly right. It had about a 40% mid-range accuracy. The second performance I did in an art gallery called Glauger in Berlin, and it was an experiment with remote viewing. Based on the uh, FBI program, now defunct, the CIA and FBI, as well as their Soviet counterpart, spent a lot of money trying to teach people how to do remote viewing, how to see things that were going on across oceans onto other continents, etc., through psychic training and meditation. Like Russell Targan, Ingo Swan. Sometimes they'll disband a program, but continue it, but use black funding. They won't get it funded through the government. I see. So using what I could learn about how that process worked, I set up another test. I was behind a wall at a desk with a large pad of paper and pencils and things. I asked five artists in two different time zones, three here in Toronto and two there in Berlin, and they were not allowed to communicate with me in any way, shape, or form two weeks before. At specific time, they would just go out and do something. I had no idea what it was, and my attempt was to see what they were doing. The artists had to photograph what they were doing in real time while they were doing it, and then send the images to the gallery. The gallery was printing the images as they came in and putting them on the wall so the viewers could come into the gallery and see, oh, okay, this is what he drew an hour ago, and this is what the person was doing. Okay, this is what he drew two hours ago, and this was, you know what I mean? So they could make their own notes. That's neat. Success rate is, is a little harder to judge because often what I was getting was sort of pictures in my head and words turned up. You were then drawing what they were doing, or? We're trying to see, either with text or through illustration, trying to visualize what they were doing. One of the artists, at one point during her hour activity, as a kind of joke, put on a kind of hat that she had constructed that was supposed to keep me out of her head. And then I just started writing the word block, 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 block. And then I stopped. I couldn't get any more. And I had no idea she was going to do this. She was also, is also person I'm closest to of the group. I got the strongest connection. So what I have planned for the third performance is a randomized seance. Then I'm going to have a kind of conclusion about what I've learned. So that's what I've been working on. Obviously, as you said, in Atlantic Canada, this is way more common, but you're kind of bringing that viewpoint into your art, and I really like that. Everyone has an intuitive level of some kind or other. If space is provided for people to experiment with that or to be more open to that intuitive ability they have, then they might find themselves kind of alarmed by how quickly stuff floods in. Do you have any other stories, not from this experiment, but from other times where you had an intuition or a presentiment, that's that's the technical term, a feeling that... I mean, long before we had call display, I almost always knew who it was when the phone rang. Yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> that's and, uh, We were once traveling, I was a kid, like a road trip, and we stayed in a hotel. I was like 10 or something, and 
My parents put me to bed. I said, there's something wrong with this hotel. You know, there's like, you're just tired, dear. Go to bed. And then there was a fire that night in the hotel. So, yeah, I mean... Um, well, that's why I found the term uh, presentiment. It's just a feeling, an odd feeling. You know, sometimes it can just be a hunch. You know, something happened here or something's going to happen here. And, and you don't know exactly what. And then you find out. But we live in a culture now where information can be communicated instantly across the globe. That has its certainly social implications about how we communicate and everything else. Especially in the context of a Zuckerberg hearing with Congress yesterday about Facebook. We don't, we don't listen to ourselves as well as we used to because we now have these devices to do it for us. You know, we need to have larger discussions. If we're going to spend so much time talking about the effects of technology on our lives, and it's a super important discussion, we also need to have a parallel discussion about our intuitions, our hunches, and our, our senses. I feel are setting aside right now because of our absorption with technology. So shows, shows like yours, if they, if they have any benefit in terms of getting people to pay attention to what's on their so-called peripheral vision, then more power to it. Well, thank you so much. I'm glad, you know, that you do live in Toronto because you got to see that poster and get in contact with me about this. I hope you've enjoyed the story so far. In the last part, we're going to go back to hear more stories from Carol because I've saved the best for last. I hope you're looking forward to hearing more future episodes on ESP as well as a ton of other exciting things I'm working on. Get in touch if you have a story to share or any ideas for future episodes at supernaturalstories.ca. I'm always eager to hear any kind of supernatural story, even if it's something small, like a door that only stays shut for you. In a future episode, Brayden will have a story about just that, a little bit like Carol's first story coming up next. teenager I had a boyfriend and my room is down in the basement of my parents house and I brought him downstairs you know we were just hanging out we had a pool table in the other room across from my bedroom so I closed the door he was on the other side of the door I went to change my clothes and then I tried to get out of my room and I could actually feel like there was somebody pushing on the door and holding the knob from the other side so I said I said, okay, that's not funny. Let me out of my room, you know, and, and I asked my boyfriend to stop messing around. He was down the hallway. He said, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, I'm down the hallway. And I was like, real funny. Come on, let, let me out of my room. Then finally, after about, it seemed like five or ten minutes, I finally said, you know what? It wouldn't happen in a million years, so just let me out of my room, would you? And then all of a sudden, the pressure let off my door. And I got out of my room, and my boyfriend was like, gee, thanks, I think. <laughs> but I was not touching that door, and, and I don't know why that door was stuck like that. I'm what people call a sensitive person. Sensitive, sensitive, 
This is why I have so many experiences with the spirit realm or the supernatural. I will give messages to other people from their past loved ones. My partner actually, I thought he was going to like run for the hills or something, but the second time we went out, I was at a park with him, and it was an old historical park, and, and I was talking to him, and I said, who's this man? And I described this man, certain glasses, he had a yellow tint to his glasses, and he started fumbling through his wallet, he pulled out an old license, and he showed it to me, and I was like, yeah, that's the guy right there, and he said, that's my dad, and I said, what's up with his legs? He's in a wheelchair, you know, he's missing his legs, and he said, actually, yeah, my dad did lose his legs. He said, but my dad's been gone for 10 years, gone for 10 years, gone for 10 years, gone for 10 years, gone for 10 years. I said, so who's the woman here? And she, and I described her height and her hair and her look, and I thought he was going to faint. And uh, he sat down on the bench and he's like, that's my mother that you're describing. And she's been gone for 24 years, 24 years, 24 years, 24 years, 24 years. And I said, there was an accident, yeah? And she died in the accident, and she had some sort of injury in her abdomen that she died from, and he's like, yeah, her spleen rupture. And he was like turning white. This is a bad second day, you know? <laughs> it's like, this guy's gonna leave. He's, he's never coming back. I was 19 when my mother passed, he said. There's no way you could have known anything about her. So if I ever didn't believe in this stuff, I do now. He took me down by where he lived as a kid, and I pointed at this curve that was coming up, and I said, your mother's car went off the road right here. This is where the accident was. And he said, oh my God. He's like, this is craziness, <laughs> you know? We've been together for five years now. He's pretty cool. It brings comfort to people to hear. It's not just people I know. Like I, I will get it for random people as well. I got a waitress once. I asked her if she knew she was pregnant. She said, yeah, I know, but nobody else knew. <laughs> so I'm quite used to doing this kind of thing, actually. When you got that information, you knew what his parents had looked like and how they had died and such. Did you see them standing there? I did. In that case, though, it was not like how I would be talking face-to-face -face with somebody. It was almost like a memory, like they were my memories almost. It was like a photograph kind of thing. I could hear them sort of talking to me. I pick out, you know, certain things that only he's going to know. Because otherwise people will be like, oh, you know, anyone can say that. If I get something and it's that specific, they're going to be like, okay, so I didn't tell anybody that and nobody else knew that. How did you do that? What if these are psychic readings? What if you gain the information through the memories of the person who you're with. I never really considered that before, but thinking a little bit on that, you know, it could very well be partly that. Maybe it could be the mother is digging up those memories, and yes, I'm receiving them maybe through him, but he was not actively thinking of that at the time. So I kind of have to go with that was the actual spirit that was talking to me at the time. If you want my honest opinion, I think that they can be connected. You know, they could have somebody attached to them who can't get their message through any other way, so they trigger a memory. Somebody who's got that gift of precognition, they can see into the past or future, whatever, they, they pick up on that. 
in terms of telling lottery numbers or anything like that, I don't really personally know anything about that, so. <laughs> Not that I don't get the messages any other time, but I get more during the full moon, like three o'clock in the morning, that kind of thing. That seems to happen more at those times. Some days I can just go around and I'll feel something and I'll be like, okay, and then I'll just be able to walk away from it. Then say on a full moon, I'll be like, okay, I'm gonna go do it, just, just leave me alone. Well, I've heard about the three in the morning thing many times, but uh, the full moon, I find interesting that you've noticed that connection. There's so many different full moon phenomena that have been observed by police and doctors and such over the years. And I just remembered what I was going to say. It was along the police, the CIA, the psychic thing. I had an experience sort of like that. I was contacted by this person that had something really terrible happen to them. I was up in Cape Breton at the time, and I started to describe this person. My friend was starting to look at me really weird, and he said, one second, and he went and he came back with a newspaper, and he didn't show me anything, and he's like, do you happen to have a name? I said the first name, and I described the person, and he's like, this is like a 30-year-old cold case that you're talking about. Okay, this is new territory for me, you know? And he's like, I happen to be one of the main people that is gunning for justice for this person. He's like, I know the family. Do you mind if I contact the family? And I actually went over to the family's house. I don't really know what I'm doing. You know, I, I'm not used to this kind of scenario. So and they were like, we've had psychics here before. We've had mediums. Then I started to feel like this person was present. And I described right down to every injury, every tooth that was missing, everything. It was exactly right. Things that I couldn't have known, you know, things that the medical examiner would have seen and known and documented, but nobody else would have known unless they were, you know, directly involved in it. Then I described where he was killed. I described the weather. I described all these feelings that he had because he was telling me what was going on, what happened. Of course, they were all writing all of this down. And they said, this is the most detail they've gotten so far. And then I did something I'd never done before, and I drew the whole scene out for them. They were looking, and they're like, that's exactly the crime scene. That's exactly how it was found. But everything looked like the school, everything like that. There was some controversy on what happened, and whether it was the police that was too rough, or whether the fight before it murdered him. So I said, you know, what I said. What, what did you say? I said, I feel that the police, they saw a troubled kid. They, you know, he resisted them. They got rough. They threw him in jail and they left him. And, and they found him dead in the cell the next morning. Dead in the cell the next Dead in the cell the next The family said, you know, really nobody really knew that who wasn't directly involved either. I don't know that. They could have prevented that death, but I do think they didn't help. They kind of left him and ignored him and mistreated him, and that's how I feel that helped with his already pre-existing injuries pass away. I have had dreams recently, and I checked up on this. I looked on the internet because it's a great tool, and it was a local murder, actually, because I was having these weird kind of flashes of memory. And this girl, I looked her up, I had her name, and it was about 20 some odd years ago she died, and it was a cold case as well. 
there was more than one person involved. And I said, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know how to, how to go about even, you know, talking about this to anybody. Thank you for listening to Supernatural Stories. And thanks for telling your friends about the show and supporting a place for the supernatural. I'm your host, Cal Goodbaum. These have all been real stories from real people across Canada. The music featured in this show was by Cone Park with East Coast Hip Hop in the 80s, Blue Dot Sessions with Marjorie and Valentus Vespers, and Vicio by Cratch Trio from the compilation Clinical Jazz Excerpt 2. If you want to contribute a buck or more towards the production of the show, you can go to patreon.com slash supernatural stories. The funds can help pay for the sponsored posts and postering campaigns which attract story submissions. If you have a story of your own to contribute, you can do that at supernaturalstories.ca. Till next time. <laughs>